HHW Show podcast returns January 5th with a new season, Road to the Royal Rumble. Hector, Frank, Jason, Ovi will be on the set with the latest news and takeaways. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and you can listen wherever you listen to your favorite podcast app. Thank you, Jason Ovi. That is the Hard Hitting Wrestling Show every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, so check that out. But welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And obviously we want to wish everybody a happy new year. And we know once the new year starts, that means the NFL playoffs start. But before we get into that, we got to get into what happened Sunday night between Washington and the Eagles. And and uh, it all started uh, uh, when the uh, – even before the game, when the Eagles decided to uh, uh, sit out uh, Fletcher Cox, uh, uh, Miles Sanders, uh, Dallas Goddard. Uh, they sit out like – Four or five. They sat out four or five stars before the game, and then started getting more obvious. And the, the first time where it, to me it started getting obvious is when they didn't kick that field goal on four, after the turnover. When they didn't kick the field goal, to me it started obvious. And then obviously you knew it, they were tanking when they pulled Jalen Hurts out of the game in the fourth quarter and put Nate Sudfield in. An eight foot still could do absolutely nothing. The Eagles turned the ball over, and Washington ended up winning the division fourteen. And here is my take on this. I know a lot of people are saying. Why does it matter? Because teams don't try to win games all the time. When teams rest their starters, like you look at the Steelers this week and the Chiefs this week, they rested their starters because they knew they were in the playoffs and the Chiefs knew they were the number one seed. Yeah, they rest their, yeah, they rest their starters, but that's different. To me, that's completely different. Uh, the Eagles had, had nothing to lose. Teams like the Steelers and the Chiefs, they had stuff to lose. The Eagles had nothing to lose, and they tanked that game. In, in my lifetime, I've never seen a team that had nothing to lose, tank a game like that. That was absolutely I mean, – listen, I don't want to sound like an angry Giant fan because I know at 6-10, and 10, the Giants had no business being in the playoffs. The only reason they even had a shot at making the playoffs is because this was the worst division in the history of the NFL. That's the only reason they had a shot at the playoffs. But look, this is more about the Eagles and the way they handled this situation. And Doug Peterson handled this situation poorly, absolutely, absolutely ter- terribly. Could not handle it worse. I mean, it was, it was absolutely, absolutely horrible – what the Eagles did. I mean, if you look at teams like the like the Texans, and you look at teams like the Lions, Matthew Stafford played banged up, and that was one of the best that was one of the best games of the season they had against the Vikings. And then you look at Deshaun Watson; he played in Week 17, and the Texans played hard too. There was no reason at all for the Eagles to do what they did. It was absolutely pathetic, and it was a disgrace to the game. And then we know Joe Judge made those comments and said the Giants would never do that. And yes, I know people are saying, "Oh, look at the teams that have everything have nothing to have." Uh, nothing to play for in week 17. Those Some of those teams are in the playoffs. The Steelers and Chiefs were in the playoffs. The Eagles had nothing to lose. They should have never, ever, ever, ever did d- done what they did. And and to me, I lost complete respect for Doug Peterson after that game. It was absol- It was just absolutely pathetic that, that that happened. And we obviously heard Joe Judge's comments saying that the Giants would never do that. He was very frustrated. And I know people think he comes across to crybaby, but those were his true feelings. And and it was just uh, absolutely pathetic, Eagles. And I think you want we want to hear a take because we obviously we heard Trevor and earlier in the week and Joe on Keys to the City. We want to hear a take from some of a fan of, of an NFC East team and what he feels about the situation. So, Justin, your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, my thoughts are: look, the NFL always talks about the integrity of the game, and that came into a question with the Eagles on Sunday night. That was a complete joke for what they did, you know. Well, and I think part of it too, it, it, it was definitely the front office, I think, had the final say because early in the day, 
when they announced Doug Peterson was going to return as the head coach, I really, you know, he wouldn't, you know, Doug Peterson wouldn't have done that knowing that his job's on the line. If they really wanted to see Sudfeld, why don't they start, you know, like, again, I they, you know, should have started Hurts. They should have started, I, again, you know, you have Miles Sanders saying in the press conference yesterday, all, you know, angry at Doug Peterson, the coaching staff for what they did. Jalen Hurts, you could see him on the bench going, what are they doing? Like, again, the players had no idea this was coming. And the players aren't happy about this. He, you just look around the league, it's just awful. To move up three spots, too, in the draft, and again, you know, could there be a huge difference six to nine? Who knows? But, again, it, it's a complete joke. You, you lost, you know, and taking the NFL, it, you know, we don't really, we never, you know, we've never really seen something like that before. It was a total joke, a total disgrace by the Eagles organization for what they did. And, and yeah, it really hurt the sport. And of course on Sunday night football too, national, you know, national TV, national audience. And that's where you pull off is a complete joke and, and looks really, really, really bad. Oh, absolutely! And look at your Patriots. Uh, even on Sunday, they had nothing to play for. They could have been. They could have moved up. Uh, I mean, they could have maybe even gotten in the top ten. But now they're picking fifteenth because they went out there and, as professionals and won a football game. And it was meaningless, but they won a football game. And I know probably some Patriot fans weren't happy about it, but they went out there and won a football game. And yeah, looking at Miles Sanders, I mean, he didn't know this was going to happen. Eagles players are are, are are ticked off that this happened. He, they did, there was no transparency. Doug Peterson didn't tell his team about this. It just happened, and the Eagles players were stunned. And I, I give, and I'm happy that the Eagles players were upset because they should be upset. They're professional athletes that want to win a football game. They're there to compete and win a game. They're not there to tank and lose on purpose. So I'm happy the Eagles players were upset. Yeah, you know, because some of these players are jobs could be on the line on the on the draft. You know, like they go, you know, they have to go out there and go perform and get wins. You know, for contracts and just keeping their jobs. And you kind of pull guys like that, not really telling them what the heck's going on. It, it yeah, it looks bad. Um and. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy the players were against this. And, you know, it, again, what does this do now, the relationship between Jalen Hurts and Doug Peterson? Like, that's your, you know, that's who now it sounds like going to be the franchise quarterback. And the head coach and the quarterback could have a fractured, fractured relationship right now. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, it, it's an awful sign. Um, again, I know Doug Peterson's job safe, but it, What's it going to be in the locker? I don't see how this, you know, these, some of these players are going to have respect for Doug Peterson about what he did. I again, this is just a. I think this is going to hurt them more than what they thought. How you know, going into that game. Oh, absolutely! I think Peterson's going to lose the locker room. I can't see the Eagles successful in having Peterson there next year. I think they have to end up firing him for this. I think he's got to go because. I just don't think th this team is going to respect him. You got players, Jalen Hurts, who's probably who's ticked off at him. Miles Sanders who's ticked off at him. You can't lose lose your locker room like this. I think the Eagles, if they bring Doug Peterson back next year, and they're probably and they're more than likely going to, they're going to be in last place. They're going to be a four or five win team again. They're going to be in last place. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it. Yeah, yeah. And Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders are right now two of your best offensive weapons, young offensive weapons. You need those two um, to be in that locker room, being leaders and. and being able to respect your head coach, but yeah, he, the, again, that's that's coming to question right now. I I definitely could see the team finishing in last, having again four wins, and just what does that do now? I guess next year you get a higher draft pick as well. But again, yeah, total joke and, and, and by the organization of the Eagles. Because again, I some of it, I think the front office had the call 
as well. So again, I, I throw it on their front office as well as Doug Peterson. Absolutely. Yep. It's on Peterson. It's on the front office. It's just an absolute disgrace for a team that had a, had a absolutely pathetic for having, it's a, it's a disgrace for a team that had an absolutely disgraceful season, but we got to get into the playoffs. We're going to talk about the team that made the playoffs in the NFC. So that's the Washington football team as they host the, a, a tough game against the Buccaneers on Saturday night. And in this game, I got the Bucs winning at 27-10, and here's why. I do think early that Washington is going to keep them in the game. I think early that they're going to be able to you know, stop the run game, get some pressure on Brady. But the issue in this game is going to be I don't think Washington is going to score anywhere near the amount of points they need to to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Brady has been hot the last the last three weeks. He's been red hot. He, I mean, he's thrown, I think, uh, like nine or – I think he's thrown like nine touchdown passes the, the last three weeks. Uh, the Buccaneers have scored over 30 points the last three weeks. I know they may not get in the 30s this game because Washington's defense is good, but I still think they get, you know, 24, 27 points. I do still think they might start a little – I do think Brady's going to be able to throw the ball, throw a couple touchdown passes to uh, to Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller. Yeah, they might have Mike, Edwin, uh, Mike Evans out, but we know that Brady and Scotty Miller have a really good rapport, so that might not be that big of a loss. And on the other side of the ball, I think that Washington's going to have trouble protecting Alex Smith or whoever the quarterback is, I think they're going to have some trouble running the ball. I just think Washington's offense is going to have a really, really rough night. That's why I got the Bucs winning this game by two or three scores. But, Justin, we know getting pressure on Brady is the way to beat him o- o- throughout his career. And Washington might have the best front four in the league. Can they wreck the game to a point where they can get their first playoff win in 15 years? Yeah, I'm with you. I think they can early on in the game. I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain it all game. This uh, front four – Montez Sweat, uh, Chase Young right now combined like 16 and a half sacks. They have 50 on the year, you know, so over three game. Again, if they can force, if they can kind of strip sack Brady once or twice and it make him, you know, make a bad throw and pick him off, then yeah, they definitely have a better shot. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do enough. I had the Bucks win this one 24 to seven. Um, again, got to get pressure, got to just, um, Make him throw the ball, you know. Again, I could see – I think Brady's going to throw a lot of quick passes in this game, quick slants. Um, and I think, you know, the Bucks could get off to a slow start. But, yeah, I, I just don't see Washington being able to do enough. I just, you know, in, in this game, to be to keep up with the Buccaneers. I do think – I don't think Brady's even going to throw some quick slants. I think he's throwing the ball down the field. That's what the Bucks have done all season long. This no-risk-it-no-biscuit offense. If you look at Brady's numbers – uh, since uh, since the bye week, throwing the ball down the field, they've been really good. He's been really working on that. So I don't think they're going to throw any a lot of screens or crossing routes. I think they're throwing the ball down the field. I think I think that's just what the Bucks' offense is this year. No matter what happens, they're going to be throwing the ball down. They're going to be throwing that ball down the field. You do have a point there. They they have even though I, it doesn't really tailor to what Tom Brady is anymore. I know <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter to Bruce Arians. He doesn't care. He likes that ball being thrown down the field, no matter what. Yeah, which again, why I don't want any Super Bowls, but. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I would tailor to what my quarterback's better at. But again, I whatever works, I guess. That's, I, that, that's why if like Bill Belichick was coaching the Bucks this year, they'd be like fourteen and two or thirteen and three. They wouldn't be eleven. They, they would have won the division. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. Because you know you would have tailored to what they do best. But you know, so yeah, they may not throw a lot of quick screens. They'll probably throw deep again. If again, if that's the case, and they keep trying to throw deep. Washington can get to them. Yeah, and that's the only way Washington could pull the upset is if Tampa Bay plays the game like they played all year and doesn't make any adjustments and they keep mm-hmm. just throwing the ball, throwing the ball down the field, and Chase Young keeps getting there 
and they can't run the ball. That's the only way Washington can upset them, because I don't think Washington's scoring more than 17 points. I think they're scoring 17 points. The most they're going to score is 17 points. And I think, and I just think how good Brady is and how well he's played and this Bucks offense has played, no matter if their game plan doesn't make sense, they're going to score more than 17 points. Yeah, they should be able to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they somehow lose it, it's going to be on Bruce Arians and his play calling. But yeah, they're just Oh, yeah, Bruce Arians should have a If they lose this game, Bruce Arians should be out. I'd fire Bruce Arians and hire Josh McDaniels. That's the case. Yeah. Yeah, Don't don't, don't be taking Josh from I don't want Josh going anywhere, but (laughs) I I could definitely see that. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Tampa should be able to take care of business this game. You know, yeah, 24-7. Absolutely. Absolutely. Washington is a bottom five offense, and they really don't have a quarterback right now yet. It should be Tampa winning this game by two or three scores. We'll head to the one o'clock. Saturday, and that is between the Col- the eleven and five Colts and the thirteen and three Bills. And I do think early in this game, I think Indy stays in it because I do think they can get they're going to get the running game going with Jonathan Taylor, and I think they're going to get you know Nakeem Hines going in the pass game. I think Philip Rivers will it will hit T Y Hilton too. I think will get T Y Hilton involved as well. But the problem is 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 the way Josh Allen is playing. I just don't see. Philip Rivers keeping up with Josh Allen. I think it will be close in the first half. It might even be tied by halftime. In the second half, I feel like that Bills offense is going to pull away. And the problem is the loss of Anthony Costanza was a loss because either Mario Addison or uh, Jerry Hughes is going to be able to get pressure on Philip Rivers. And that's probably going to force maybe a turnover or two in the second half. And you know Philip Rivers, once he gets pressure on him, he's not effective at all. And that's why I got the Bills winning this game 31-20 to to get their first playoff win in a quarter century. But Justin. Jonathan Taylor has ran the ball well the last couple of weeks. Can he continue that? And can the Colts defense be able to contain Josh Allen for them to pull the upset? I think there's a really good chance. I was thinking about this game a lot last night. I was thinking more about it. Doesn't this game remind you, Steve, of last year's Baltimore versus Tennessee game? Yes. Buffalo's coming in red hot. Nobody thinks that this offense – nobody thinks that, you know, anybody can slow down this offense right now. You got a veteran quarterback in Phillip Rivers. You got a great running back and running game with um, Jonathan Taylor. Again, Phillip Rivers has been here before. I do really, I, you know, I am very scared for the Bills. I do have the Bills winning 20 to 24, but I would not shock me. I It would not shock me to see Indy come back at, or Indy to win this game. Um, I, you know, Buffalo's 20th against the run. Um, and Indy's second right now, rush running the football. Philip Rivers has been an underdog before in the playoffs. He's won some games. We know he's he's lost some as well. But again, he's not going to be afraid in this moment. Um, this just kind of remind. I I think this could be a really really um tough game. You know, T.Y. Hilton's get getting going. This Buffalo defense is is good, but is it elite enough? It's it's it's. It's not as good as it was last year. It really isn't. I mean, they don't get to the quarterback as well. They they don't stop the run as well. I mean, really, they're, they're it's really their back. Tremaine Edmonds is a really good player, and Tredavious Way is a really good player. But this is a defense is definitely in the middle of the pack. Indy has the better defense, and they have the better running game. But the big difference in this game, though, is the quarterbacks. Right now, Josh Allen is much better, much better than Phillip Rivers, and this is a quarterback league. That's why I have Buffalo winning it by 10 points. And I know it's good comparison with the uh, with the Titans and the Ravens, but I do think – this Buffalo team was more explosive in the pass, passing game. and the, This Buffalo team is definitely more explosive in the pass game than the Ravens were last year. Yeah, no, they, they definitely are. You know, with that Stephon Diggs trade has just done wonders for Josh Allen this year, and his accuracy is just 
gone up um, tremendously this year. He's, he's been a lot. He's, he's I'd just say even more. Like, yeah, he, he's had such a great year that, you know, that definitely is um, a big read because Indy's 19th. They're not bad against the pass, but they're a lot better stopping the run. They, they play a lot of Tampa, too. That's the big thing. They don't play a lot of man coverage. So, Josh, just, so I don't think they're really going to lock up Xavier Rhodes on Stefan Diggs that much in this game. I feel like – you know, they play a lot of Tampa, too. Play a lot of zone. Uh, the Colts play a lot of zone. They like to rush four. So I don't think that uh, – I don't think that – I think Jack, there's going to be there's gonna be holes in that zone. Beasley might not play, which could be key. But I think, you know, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Stephon Diggs, t- uh, Tyler Croft, Josh Allen's going to find holes in that zone. That's why I think he throws three or four touchdown passes. Yeah, I could definitely see that happen. I would like to see Rhodes on, on Diggs, his former teammates. They've probably gone up against each other. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting if we see that. Because I, you know, because that's what I, you know, try that out. You know, he Rhodes knows what he wants to do, but again, I guess we'll, you know, we'll find out. That'd be, you know, an interesting matchup there. But, um, you know, I do think Buffalo is a better team, so that's why I'm not picking Indy. But again, it would not shock me to see the Colts win. It would not shock me to see the Colts in this game for all 60 minutes. But I do think the Bulls are a bit better. But again, first time here for Buffalo. You know, first time for Josh Allen. So, oh, he was in the playoffs last, you, last year. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were Houston yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. So, this is actually the third time, third time in four years the Bills have been in the playoffs because uh, McDermott's first year they got in against the uh, against the Jaguars and lost. They didn't make it Allen's rookie year, but they got in uh, last year, lost to the Texans. They had a 16 0 lead last year against Houston and lost. And then this year, uh, th- this year, this, they're, this is the first year they won the this is their third time in the playoffs in four years. They haven't won a playoff game since Jim Kelly, since they beat the uh, since they beat the Dolphins in '95 in the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff game in a quarter century. So this is going to be very, very interesting to see what happens here because Buffalo is definitely a favorite in this game. This is Josh Allen's second playoff game, so it's and this is this is a game. I, I feel like if Josh Allen loses this against Philip Rivers, who's out of his prime, Josh Allen is completely taken out of any any MVP conversation. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this would. You know, hurt some of what he's done this year if he's not able to get out of the first round. This, you know, this year against a cold team, you know that that third two seed and the way they've been playing, it, it definitely would you know put a knock on on this. But again, I still think from what we've seen, it's kind of one of those you know things where I think down you know, next year they would put you know he you know Josh Allen will be even more hungry next year with another offseason with Diggs. Yeah, it would definitely be a you know bad loss to lose a seven seed at home but um you know still it'd still be a great year it would depend on josh allen plays if he really plays if he plays well and throws for five touchdowns but for some reason the bills can't get a stop then be tough to put it more on him but if he comes out here plays horrendous and yeah it'd be a lot more on him yeah it should be very interesting to see what happens on uh, on sunday yes game the bills should win but i feel like the colts out i think the i think the quarterback is much better but I do think the Colts have as good or even a better all-around all team than the Bills. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, why I think the you know Colts have a have a good chance to come in here as long as Rivers comes in here and protects the football, they got a shot. Absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. But we got to get to the last. And this isn't the last playoff game. The last the, the Saturday game. This, this is the Saturday game we're going to talk about last. Uh, we got an NFC West matchup, a rubber match, because the Rams won the first game, the Seahawks won the second game. So both these teams split in the regular season. Seahawks won the division, but the Rams head to Seattle to face to face the Seahawks. And I got the Seahawks winning this twenty to thirteen. And it's the same reason why I got the Bills beating the Colts. The quarterback play is just going to be much better 
uh, for the Seahawks and it's going to be for the Rams. I mean, it, Sean McVay hasn't announced a starter yet. It looks like it's going to be John Wolford again against the Seahawks, but he he cannot he can't manage this game the way he managed it against the Cardinals against the Seahawks against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I do think though the Rams defense keeps him in this game. I got the Seahawks winning twenty to thirteen, but I do think the Rams defense keeps him in the game. I think that Aaron does another big game getting pressure because we know Seattle's offensive line, especially as Giants fans, we played them in December. We know Seattle, Seattle's offensive line is not good at all, so they're going to get pressure on Russell Wilson. Uh, I th- so I do think they're going to contain him there, but I do think Wilson's going to make some plays. Ramsey, I think, I think Ramsey contains Metcalf, but I do think Wilson gets the ball to Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett is going to have a big game in this game. I think Lockett has a big game. I think David Moore gets a couple of receptions too, and I think Wilson gets the ball to those guys. Maybe a touchdown pass to Will Disley as well. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think I think Seattle they might not have uh, Jamal Adams. That could be big because I think the, the Rams do have success running the ball, but I do think Seattle forces a turnover or two, and I think they might turn they might have a fumble recovery or a pick six. Uh, or return a pick six for a touchdown. So I do think this is a really, really close competitive game, but I got Seattle advancing to the second round, winning this game by a touchdown. But Justin, we know the Rams have gotten pressure on Russell Wilson the two times they played this year, and they're most likely going to be without Jared Goff this week. Is is their defense going to be enough for them to advance to the second round? Yeah, I think they have a chance. I got the, the Seahawks winning the close one, 23 to 20. I think, you know, the Rams would force a turnover or two, create a short field. I think they'll be able to do that. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be able, be able to do enough. They got five sacks a few weeks ago on Russell Wilson in the second meeting. You know, if they can get after him, I, which they should be able to do, um, they got a much better shot in this game, obviously. Um, you know, again, it should be interesting with John Wolford because he's more – he's a bit more athletic than Jared Goff. So yeah, I noticed that. He had a lot of rushing yards last game. And he's like 66, I believe. So again, that kind of gives him a different element there, with no Adams too. Def, you know, as you're saying, well, maybe not Adam. You know, maybe if they're without, they could be without Jamal Adams. We could, yeah, definitely make a difference in this game um, on the defensive side of the ball, which would really help out Walford, Wolford in that offense. I just, you know, still with that defense, I just don't know if they're gonna be able to put up enough points. And the Seattle offense has not been what it, you know, in the month of December, what it was at the beginning of the year. They haven't, besides that um, Jet game, they haven't got out of the 30s since the Bills game. That uh, I think a, I think a big reason for that has been the offensive line. I think the offensive line just is not good at all. That's that's a big reason why their offense has struggled. Yeah, you know, because, yeah, you saw against that Giant game. You saw it against the Rams, the, the uh, Washington game. You know, even the Niners had success. Yeah, it, you know, it, and again, Aaron Donald is one of the, you know, best defensive players in the league. So, again, you know, he's fired up, ready to get this rubber match. So, I could definitely see the Rams coming in here and stunning the Seahawks. But just without no golf, I just don't know how they're often really, you know, I'm, you know, I don't, just don't know how they're going to score enough points. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, is say, say, say the thing is, though, Jared Goff being out is nowhere near as big as Russell Wilson being out. So it's like, say Russell Wilson was out for the Seahawks, the Seahawks would have no chance of winning the game. But Jared Goff being out, Goff has kind of struggled, did struggle the two the two weeks uh, before he got hurt. So it's not – I'm not saying it's, he's not a big loss, but it's not as big of a loss as Russell Wilson because Jared Goff is not, is not an elite QB in the league. Let's be honest. He's not. I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback, but he's nowhere near a great quarterback where Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. So – the Rams still do have a chance to win the game with Wolford because of how good that defense is. They have 
two of the best players at their positions. Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle in the game uh, by far. There's no question about that. And Jalen Ramsey's the best quarter in the game. And uh, and 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 in and in 2020 in the NFL in 2020, corner and defensive tackle are two very very important positions on defense. For example, on the other side, you look at Seattle. Russell, I mean, uh, Bobby Wagner's one of the best linebackers in the game, and Jamal Adams is one of the best safeties in the game. But that defense isn't isn't even close to the uh, Rams defense because corner and defensive tackle are much more important than safety and middle linebacker in this NFL. Yeah, you're, you're right. You know, um, just, you know, yeah, with all the way the game's changed, you know, safety, you know, they, Adams is their best pass rusher pretty much on defense. Yeah, he has nine and a half sacks. Yeah. You know, yeah, because they got nobody, you know, you need defensive line that can get to the quarterback. You need, you know, um, again, you know, they don't do that with Bobby Wagner as a middle linebacker. So it definitely, you know, and because the other thing is, too, this, the line opened at three and a half. It's sitting at like four and a half. And there sounds like there's no golf. Like it's only been a point difference without golf, which just tell you a little bit, too, about, you know, the, the quarterback play of the Rams. Because, yeah, golf isn't great, but, you know, Usually manages game well and well enough, and it helps to have a coach like Sean McVay as well. But yeah, you know, golf golf's not great, but again, you know, it's still better than John Wolfer going out there in a playoff game because you know we know because the Rams have gotten to a Super Bowl, so golf knows how to get there. He doesn't have a ton of experience, but he knows how to get to the Super Bowl. Even though that that you know that they did have a top ten defense that year too. They're yeah, actually. I think it was like top five. Their defense was great. Their offense was great with Gurley. But um, yeah, I just, you know, Seattle should be able to find a way to win this game at home. Yeah, I mean, it should be. I, I feel like the game's going to be a close game, but I just think the difference in quarterback is yeah. going to be by far the biggest difference in this game. But we're going to head to the Sunday slate, and we got the Ravens heading down to Tennessee to face the Titans. And we all know the Titans have the Ravens number. Uh, last year, they beat them in Baltimore in the divisional round to get to the AFC championship game. And during the and during the regular season in Week 11, which Trevor lost a bet to Joe in that game, the uh, the the uh, Titans beat the Ravens in overtime. The Ravens were up by double digits, and the Titans ended up beating them in overtime. And but I do think the Ravens finally get over the hump and win this game. I think Lamar Jackson gets his first play, playoff win. I got the Ravens winning 28-23, and here's why: I think that the Titans' defense is not good, terrible. They can't get off the field on third down. They have trouble stopping the run, too. They're 19th in the league in stopping the run. They're 29th in the league in stopping the pass. So I think the Ravens are going to move the ball on them. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have time. He's going to be able to get the ball to John Brown. He's going to be able to get the ball to Mark Andrews. I think J.K. Dobbins has a good game on the ground. So I do think the Ravens move the ball. But on the other side, I do think the Titans move the ball. I think Derrick Henry runs for at least at least 150 yards. I think Henry has at least 150 yards rushing. I think that uh, I think Derrick Henry I think is a big, a huge game. I think that the uh, that Ryan Tannehill has a pretty good game too, getting the ball to AJ Brown and uh, and uh, Corey Davis. But I think the difference in this game is when the Ravens get into the red zone, they're going to convert those opportunities and they're going to score touchdowns. I feel like the Ravens are going to score touchdowns and the Titans are going to score field goals. And I do think that Tannehill is going to face some pressure. Whit Martindale is going to blitz, and I think you know I think they the Ravens have probably the best quarter pair of corners in the league with uh, with with Marcus Peters and with Merlin Humphrey, I think they're going to lock up uh, AJ Brown and Corey Davis in the red zone. And I think the Ravens, the Ravens are going to get score touchdowns. The Titans are going to kick field goals in a really close competitive one score game. I got the Ravens advancing to the second round, but Justin, we know the Titans have had the Ravens number and they have done that by establishing the run with Derrick Henry. Can they continue this and give Lamar his third straight playoff loss? 
It wouldn't track me. I had Baltimore, though, finally getting over the hump, 31 to 27. Um, yeah, you know, last year, the way they were able to establish you now the running game against the Ravens, Derrick Henry just, you know, well, you know, what he did in that playoff game was unbelievable. The way uh, he ran the ball, they forced Lamar Jackson to throw a couple of interceptions. Um, again, I think, you know, if they can get off to a fast start, go that right down the field on the first drive, go up seven nothing, put the pressure on the Ravens. I feel very good about, um, them in this game, you know, if, if the Ravens, but again, yeah, Tennessee can't, can't stop anybody on defense. And that's the big issue, especially, you know, if they, um, the Ravens got up by a score or two somehow, if that takes Derrick Henry out of the game and, you know, Ryan Taylor's got to throw the ball in it. Again, that's not when their offense is at their best. And I could, I could see that happening, but again, I, I think, um, Baltimore, the first time around, when you're talking about the red zone, the Ravens were one and four in the red zone the first time around. I don't see that happening again this time. And again, they convert one of those. They, they don't go to o- overtime. The Ravens win that game. Um, again, Tennessee as well, as you're saying, they can't get off the field on third down. They got to force, they got to force the Ravens to get in some third and long situations and make Lamar Jackson have to throw the ball on third down. Again, if they're in trouble, if it's third and two, third and three. The Ravens offense has looked um, like the Ravens offense of last year, the last few weeks. But again, they haven't played the greatest competition, um, you know, since that Steeler loss. But again, I, th- I think they're starting to get in a rhythm right now and starting to play a bit better. And I, I think Baltimore finally finds a way to beat Tennessee 31-27. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, the Ravens offense is in a rhythm. I think they're going to be able to run the ball well. I think they have success. The big key for the Titans, though, to win this game is start fast because the problem with the titans is you saw and i saw this in two of their when i watched two of their games this year against the steelers and the browns they got big you got down big early and that was a real problem for them because uh they just were they still run the ball with henry but they just weren't able to come back but the thing is if you could start fast against the ravens just like they did last year the titans went up 14 nothing in, in the second quarter last year if you can start fast against the ravens and get lamar to play from behind because we know lamar in his entire career has never came back when he's been down by two scores. If you can get Lamar down by two scores, they're in a great spot in that game. So the biggest key for the Titans is they have to start fast. But ultimately, I just feel like they're, the, the Titans are not going to be able to stop the Ravens at all. And I think that this game is going to be up and down the field. And that's why I got the Ravens winning. I got the team with the better defense and the better quarterback winning it by one score. Yeah, definitely. Um, Drew, you there. Um, you know, yeah, because, you know, even that um, Colts game on the Thursday night game, we saw the Titans get behind big. And, again, they couldn't do anything because – Derrick Henry was off, you know, was off the field because, again, they can't, you know, not the greatest pass catch in the world. So, yeah, yeah if the Titans could get the ball first, go down, have like a, you know, 10, 11 play, 75-yard touchdown, you know, and it really put the uh, pressure on the Ravens. Yeah, that that would definitely, you know, be a huge advantage for them and, you know, put them out <coughs> in front of the game and, you know, absolutely help their chances out, which, I you know, you could see I just – their defense obviously was better last year. You know, they, they missed a piece of the secondary they have. You know, Logan Ryan, you know, Malcolm Butler just hasn't, you know, isn't what he is anymore. Um, again, and up front, they only have like 19 sacks on the year. It, like, they can't they can't get any pressure on anybody. And that's not good when you're, you know, going with Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, they just tighten just no way they're going to be able to stop the Baltimore Ravens. No, no, not at all. So we'll go to the second game on Sunday, and this is between the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints. Bears head down to New Orleans to face the Saints. Bears 8-8, eight and eight, 
backed into the playoffs, Saints 12-4. and four. And in this game, I got the Saints winning this pretty handedly. I don't even care if Kamara plays or not. I I'm not sure if he's going to play, but I got the Saints. I got the Saints winning to 30 to 17. And here's why: I feel like if it, whoever runs the ball for the Saints is going to have success, even if it's Kamara, or Latavius Murray, I think they're going to have success running the ball. I feel like Michael Thomas will have a big game in the pass game. I, think, if, I don't know if Michael if Michael Thomas back or not. If he should be back for the playoffs, but I think he'll have a big day in the pass game. I think Jared Cook will have a good game too. I think I think that the Saints put up. 30 points. I'm not all on offense. I think they get a turnover too from Mitch Trubisky because here's the big thing. The big reason why the Bears have had success offensively in December has been because they were able to run the ball with David Montgomery. I think the Saints do a really good job stopping the run and I think they contain David Montgomery in the run game and even in the pass game because Demario Davis is a really good linebacker and he should be in coverage on him. He should be in coverage when he go, when in the pass game too and I think he should and I think Davis is going to be big against the run as well. So I do think that's going to force Trubisky to turn the ball over a couple times. And I do think that I, I just think that the Bears' offense is not going to have the same success they had, you know, a couple of weeks ago. They're, they're going to struggle. Uh, uh, the Saints with Hendrickson and Jordan, they're going to put pressure on Mitch Trubisky. And I looked at a stat the last game they showed during the game. They said that Trubisky was really good, uh, really accurate on passes that were ten yards or less. But once you once you threw the, once he had to throw the ball more than ten yards, he's really struggled. And I think he's going to do that in that game. And he's going to turn over the ball a couple of times. I think the game won't even be as close as the score indicates because I think the Bears will get a garbage time touchdown late. But I got the Saints advancing to the second round, winning by two scores. But Justin, outside of last week, the Bears' offense has played well over the last couple of weeks. Can they continue that? And can their defense contain the Saints to pull the upset? I think there's a chance that they could do that. I think this is going to be close. I, I don't know. I think the Bears could keep this close. Um, I have the Saints 24-20. And talking about the um, Michael Thomas, I was looking. It still says he's on IR, but expected to return week eight, you know, for playoffs. So um, at the moment, you know, it sounds like he'll be able to play. But look, you know, if you're busy come out here, manage the game, which, you know, if they can – somehow establish a running game and again, you know, use a zone read and, you know, be able to keep the uh, saints on, on their heels. They have a chance. If you can protect the football, the way their defense plays and they only, their defense only has 18 turnovers this year. I felt like two years ago when they go 11 and five that, you know, that defense was really, really good at forcing turnovers. And that was like a huge part of, you know, why they were, you know, so effective a few years ago. You know, if they can do that, we know Breeze, you know, again, all they're writing on the, on the wall right now that Breeze is done after the season, you know, that he's going to retire after the season. I think the Saints are going to leave it all out for him and, you know, try to get him one more playoff run. Um, I just, you know, Trubisky's been playing better, but, you know, I didn't know about the upset about the 10 yards on the field. It, you know, I guess it doesn't surprise me, but um, if they can get him some short – um, immediate throws just you know so quick you know some quick passes i could see the bears having some success in this game i just don't know if it to be enough um we'll see how good michael thomas looks really he has not played much all year i think finally the saints do you know look they lost last year to Vikings, seeing that nobody thought was going in there and winning that game they did it i don't see them losing this game this year this time around i i will take the saints to win a close one 24 to 20. Uh, Michael Thomas loves the slants. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point, Jason. If they can if they can get Thomas on some slants routes, it could be slant routes in some crossing routes. It could be a long day for the Bears defensively. I think uh, yeah, Thomas. Yeah, we'll see though. Michael Thomas might be banged up, so we'll see what happens there. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we got an AFC North uh, matchup in the last game. And we got the Browns, who unfortunately have came down with COVID again. Unfortunately, Kevin Stefanski has came down with COVID. And a couple other players have came down with COVID. They traveled to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers in this game. And this would have been this would have been my upset. If, if, if there weren't COVID issues, this was going to be my upset pick this week. I was going to take the Browns over the Steelers. But with all the COVID issues, with Olivier Vernon being out now, uh, they, they, uh, one of the Browns' best offensive linemen, he's not going to play either in this game. I, I'm going to take the Steelers, and I'm going to take and, – and Denzel Warden might not play in this game either. So I'm going to take the Steelers, and I got them 24-16. to 16, And here's why. I feel like that the uh, – I feel like the Browns are going to struggle offensively without Stefanski as their play call. I think Baker's going to turn the ball over a couple times, give the Steelers some short fields in the game. I think they'll be able to run the ball still successfully with with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They've been able to do that all year, but I think Baker's going to struggle without Stefanski. And I think the the Steelers' offense is going to do enough in the game. Yes, they they haven't been playing well the last couple weeks. Yes, they played well in Week 16 in the second half of that game, but they haven't been playing well the last couple towards the end of the year either. But I do think. This Steelers defense is going to do enough for them to win a one-score game. I got them winning it 24 to 16 over the Browns. But the question is, Justin, the Steelers have, with the with the without their head coach, can the Browns continue to establish the run game like they have all year? And will that be enough for them to get their first playoff win in over a quarter century? And we all know who the head coach was when the Browns got their last playoff win. Bill Belichick. It sure was. That was his only. Uh, that was his only playoff win without Tom Brady. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And one of and, and one of his few pl- and one of his few pl- and one of his uh few winning seasons without Tom Brady too. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah first losing season is two thousand. So yeah. 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 Uh, been a bad long year for Bill, but you know I I think it's gonna be tough for the Browns to get anything going offensively. Um, losing to the fantasy hurts, losing to one of the best offensive linemen hurt in this game. I, I think the Steelers are going to come in this game making Baker Mayfield have to throw the ball. And, again, this the Browns had trouble putting away the Steelers last week with all the Steelers' backups in there. So that, that also worries me this game. It also worries me in, as well, like, if this is something for the Browns without Stefanski, okay, we're in the playoff. Kind of like, all right, we got to the playoffs. You know, do they just um, – just, you know, you know, I they're gonna give it their best ever, but it's just you know, I worry they kind of okay, we're in the playoffs. If they get behind early, they kind of just maybe pack it in. I you know, I'm not sure, but again, the Steelers off the line's not great. If 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 Miles Garrett and the rest of the Cleveland Browns can get a pass rush going and make sure that um, Ben can't get the ball out, and the you know, I. Again, he looks like that Monday night game against the first half in the Bengals. I definitely see the Browns having a chance. I just don't know if that's going to happen. I don't. I don't see the Steeler team losing the Cleveland out their head coach. Um, again, if they can, you know, again, especially if Pitt gets up early, I don't see Baker Mayfield mounting a comeback. He's been good this year. He's played better. Again, it, it, you know, Defense's done a really good job with this team. Um, I had him like eight and eight coming into the season, but I just I don't think that the seals are going to be able to do enough. I was really worried too, if they did have to dispense us, the fancy and, you know, they weren't missing guys. I would definitely, you know, um, definitely think it would be different, but I just, you know, I don't, I don't see Cleveland going on, going on the road to Pittsburgh in the playoffs, being the seals. I just do not see it. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, it's going to be a, it's going to be. A, I still think it's going to be a close one out Stefanski, but it's just going to be, it's going to be brutal because Baker, you've seen Baker Mayfield without you know a good play caller, like you saw last year with Freddie Kitchens being the head coach. Uh, we saw what happened last year with Baker Mayfield, and I just think he turns the ball over a couple times in this game. I really, really would have liked Stefanski to be there to coach this game. I think it'd be a real, real problem. Uh, it's going to be a real problem for uh, the Browns not having Stefanski there. I think it's going to be a good game, but I just think because the Steelers haven't been playing that well going into the game, because I would have picked it. Like I said, I was going to pick this as an upset, but I just can't see it without Stefanski being there now. i got to pick all six favorites now, which I don't like doing, but I, got, I feel like I have to do it. Yeah, because it never happened. You know, all, yeah, all six favorites usually do not win. But yeah, without this fancy, yeah, it, it just makes this game a lot more. You just, it's, yeah, it really makes it a lot harder to be able to pick the Browns. And yeah, cause, you know, we, yeah, we, yeah, cause we've seen the last few years with Baker. He doesn't, you know, if that coach doesn't really tailor to him, he can't really adjust and he really struggles out there. So yeah, that, that you know, that does give me a lot of worries. I definitely see him throwing a couple of picks and, you know, throw a couple of picks in this game and really hurting his his team. But it seems like the Browns, though, the last – it seems like every week this year that the Browns have some kind of COVID issue. Cause I know yeah, the last COVID week they did. Yeah, they've, they've yeah, had it for yeah. the last three weeks. Yeah, it just – again, that, that also – because they've been mostly – they haven't been able to practice, I think, right? It's been remote. Yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah. I You know, I think that helps – hurts as well, not really being on the field, you know, practicing before a big yeah. game like this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's definitely going to hurt them. But we are going to move on to some NFL news, uh, offseason news, and we'll start with uh, Dave Gettleman uh, being retained as Giants general manager. And and people that know me know I wanted him out uh, for most for promote for, for the at the beginning of the season and for most of the and for most of the season too. And I think the game what kind of changed my mind, and I think everyone knows the game that changed my mind was the Seattle game because he proved that the defense he put together was good enough to beat a team that's a Super Bowl contender. When he was good enough to do if you could see that that, that, that he was good enough to, to put a defense together that was good enough to beat the Seahawks, then to me it said, okay, we, we, we could keep him as the general manager, looking what he's done on this defense, obviously trading for Leonard Williams. He's been he – he's had a phenomenal year. He was an, should have been – I mean, obviously the Pro Bowl stuff is ridiculous. He should have been an all-pro. I mean, he had 11 and a half sacks this year. He had a great year. Uh, James Bradbury had a great year too. He was a pro bowler. Blake Martinez had a really good year as well. He obviously went out and got Logan Ryan traded for Jabril Peppers, pretty much won the OBJ trade, you know, traded for Jabril Peppers, got Dexter Lawrence with one of those picks. So that was a really good job for Gettleman right there. The questions though with Dave Gettleman are, what is Daniel Jones going to be? Is he the guy? We haven't answered that question yet. We haven't answered if uh, if Andrew Thomas is going to be the answer at left tackle. He's been inconsistent as well. So, and really the talent on the offensive side of the ball, and there's really not a number one. He really hasn't replaced Odell Beckham. He, they did win the OBJ trade, but they really haven't replaced o, OBJ with a number one receiver. And Darius Slayton played well last year. Slayton's a good two, but he's not a number one. So And, and going out and signing Golden Tate was not a good move. Golden Tate really didn't help the Giants. I mean, he had a decent year uh, uh, the, the year before, uh, uh, last year, but he really didn't have a good year this year, So I know, and he will probably be gone at the end of the year. So on the offensive side of the ball, that's the question with Gettleman. Gettleman's done a good job building this defense, but he, to, here, here's the big thing. If this team is 6-10 and 10 next year, Dave Gettleman better be fired. I'm okay with him being the GM now, but if we're, if we're, if we're under 500, Gettleman has got to be gone. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, you, especially this year that you saw the progress and you saw – Especially that, de- yeah, take that, that defense, really take a big turn. Yeah, now that next step next year is getting the playoffs. Oh, yeah, we might have lost. Yeah, you know, Are you, you're, Justin? Uh, 
Yeah. Do you hear me now? I hear you now. Yep. Do you hear? Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah. So again, get you know next year, getting the playoffs, getting that next step, um, is a huge. Yeah, he he's got to be able to do that if he wants to keep his job any longer. Um, but you know, yeah, the the first round draft picks the last few years, there's still question marks there. But yeah, that letter Williams trade, they, you know, they they, you know, uh, scammed the Jets on that one, and that that was been a nice acquisition. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm fine with Gettleman like getting his job back because you could see the team getting better in November, December. Again, you know, they were one and seven. You ended six and ten, which yeah, it still isn't great, but um, you saw the progress in Dave Gillen and this team this year. So yeah, you know, giving him another year is you know a good move. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, I do agree with that. One and seven, I wanted him gone, but now winning five out of winning five out of eight games, which we got to give Jace credit here. Jace was the one that predicted the Giants would win five out of eight games, so we got to give Jace credit there. But yeah, winning five of their last eight, beating Seattle in December, I'll get, I'll get, I'll give. I'm willing to give Dave Gettleman another year. But looking at the other team in town in New York, obviously they fired Adam Gase. We know that was going to happen. But the big question is going into the offseason with this team. Seeing the game Justin Fields had in the semifinal against Clemson with the number two overall pick, because you know Lawrence is going number one, do they draft Justin Fields or do they keep Sam Darnold? And at this point, I think they got they got to draft Justin Fields and trade Sam Darnold. I'm not giving up on Sam Darnold being a franchise quarterback, but I just think Justin Fields is a better prospect and you can get value if you trade Sam Darnold. So I think the Jets got to go that route. Yeah. You know, um for the argument, I'll I'll stay with I'll stay I'll I'll say you know I ra- I rather see them keep Sam Darnold here, um, and trade back and, and, or trade the number two pick away and keep Dar- Darnold and get more draft picks because I think if you add Fields, this doesn't make this team a playoff team. You know, look, I, you know, I thought Sam played better in the last few weeks. I think if he can, if you know, now they bring in a new OC and a new head coach kind of new culture here, can he progress? Because, again, the last two years his head coach hasn't helped him. His OC from um, his rookie year is not even in the NFL anymore. I forget who it is. but he's not Jeremy Bates. Jeremy yeah, Bates, not that's good. Who it is. So he's not even in the NFL anymore. So if he can actually get a real OC and a real head coach in here on the that's an offensive-minded guy, I think it could really, really help um, Sam Darnold out, and it would benefit him. Look, Justin Fields is a great prospect, but – Again, I you're just not one piece away from being in the playoffs. And then, again, you could get a team like Washington or another team that needs a quarterback for Justin Fields. They're going to trade up for a lot. They you know, they're going to you know overpay for him, especially if they know too that the Jets could go Justin Fields. You know, if they kind of throw at that option. So again, I, I I like you know keeping Sam Donald, giving him another year or two here, and, and trying to give him some more weapons around him. I. He made some good throws Sunday, but he made some mistakes. But, made some really bad yeah, mistakes on Sunday. These those interceptions yeah. just need to stop. And I've been a big Sam Darnold supporter. I like really I loved him coming out of USC, and I wanted the Giants to take him when they had the number two overall pick. But these interceptions got to stop if he if he wants to become a franchise QB. And we see Jason Sam Darnold would be another Josh Rosen if they pick Fields. We'll see there. I don't totally agree with that because say he goes to an Indy, say he goes to a uh, San Francisco, say say he goes to a Pittsburgh. Those are better better rosters than the Jets. So he could turn his career around if he goes to one of those three teams. But looking at the Jets, you have when you could get Justin Fields versus a guy that only won two games as a starter. I know it wasn't all his fault, 
I think you got to go Justin Fields. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, um, I thought about that a lot too. Yeah, yeah, he only got two wins, but again, he didn't get all his weapons in Week Nine. Again, I just felt like most of this it was just on the coaching staff. I, I know the interceptions really have to be cut down here. They definitely do. I thought, you know, the way he lost Robbie Anderson in the offseason, he just, you know, he didn't really have a number one target. Again, I, I you know, I liked um, Ty Jones in the backfield the last few weeks when they were giving less to um, Frank Gore. I liked him. I, I think if you get more around him, and I think if you actually get him a coach that is actually confident and knows what he's doing, I think it really benefits Sam. Because we've seen the talent in, in – College. I know it's different from college NFL, but you could see it. You know, I think he could be a good quarterback. Again, I think he could turn around like Ryan Tannehill at Tennessee. You know, I know he traded. T he got. You know, he moved on and and you know went to Tennessee. But um, again, I I think even if he stays with the Jets and he gets a new head coach and a new OC, he could turn it something around like a Ryan Tannehill. And I know it helps that he's got Derrick Henry back there in that backfield. But still, if they can get it. You know, running back, and well, I like Ty Jones, but if they can get him an actual coach, I think it'd do wonders for um, Sam Darnold. But in the other thing, you know, I know it's with, with Field too. Yes, it's it's tough because you know Josh Allen. Or I mean, you know, Josh Allen looks like the franchise quarterback of the Bills. You know, Miami right now looks like they're settled on too well. Uh, the, the Pats, who knows? But um, you know, you're kind of one of you know the the Pats will decide that in the offseason who that's going to be. But you know, I. You don't really want to be the only team in your division that's got quarterback problems in 2020 or going into 2021. But I, I, I'm in favor of sticking with Sam, trading that pick back and getting more value, seeing if you can get, you know, two first rounders. Again, they already have like 11 picks this year, I think 10 next year. So, and I like Joe Douglas as a drafter. I like him. So I think it benefits them more to just trade back and keep Darnold. Yeah, we'll see. That's going to be an interesting debate, and we'll be we'll be talking about that all offseason. But more NFL news. Obviously, Doug Marone gets fired with the Jaguars. That should have been done the year before. That was a mistake by that organization. And uh, and, uh, and obviously, Anthony Lynn gets fired with the Chargers, and he should have been. I mean, there there were many situations this year. He made some bad in game bad game in game decisions. Started in Kansas City when he didn't go for it on fourth and one, and gave the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, and we saw that happen uh, in Tampa up twenty four seven. Should have ran out the clock. I ended up handing the ball off, fumbles the ball, Tampa scores, that game turns around completely, and then the absolute inexcusable disaster in Buffalo when he runs the ball on first and goal when he's down by 10 points. Just a complete disaster. His in-game decision-making was terrible this year. Uh, so a good reason, so good move by the Chargers to fire him. You don't want to have a coach continue to hold Justin Herbert back. Justin Herbert could be, a, is I think personally right now, could be a top – uh, 10 quarterback. And Jace just posed a question. Will Urban Meyer take an NFL job? I think if he takes one, I think it's the Jacksonville job. I think because, you know, you got Trevor Lawrence. He's got a good chance to stay there for three or four years. So I think if he takes a NFL job, I think it's the Jacksonville one. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's all as well the Jacksonville job here. You know, um, thing is, you know, it's a lot different than Kyle's, though. I know he's got the, you know, he's got like $81 million in cap if he take, you know, if he goes to Jacksonville, he's got the draft capital but um you know him and Lawrence would, would be fun to watch I heard something that was interesting from you know a couple of reporters that have been in his press conferences after losses he says he take law he takes losses so personally 
and he's so hard on himself that that's why the you know because I know he's got like the the medical thing I you know something with like headaches or whatever yeah but like it, it he takes a toll on he he takes a real toll on himself when he loses that's the only worry for me is I don't know if he's gonna be able to turn Jack to around in one year like next year they're probably gonna be five and eleven four and twelve who knows but which I think could take a toll on but if he does take a job I think it's Jacksonville and then talking about Anthony Lynn. Couldn't that Chargers team with a different head coach have been like twelve and four? Really? Like, I mean, they could have. They could. They could have snuck in the playoffs. I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think. I, they, I, I think they could have snuck in the playoffs. Yeah, I. With how many games they blown, I, I think they could have at least won like twelve games, and which is a great time for Justin Herbert. That's a little that. bit of an exaggeration. I might say you know maybe nine or ten because you know that Chiefs game they handed to him because they rest all their starters. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know they did. But yeah, um, you know, I guess they should have beat the rate one. They should have the first time around. Um, yeah, you could go. You, I mean, you can go through a lot of the games, but a lot of NFL teams lose one score games. I know the Chargers take it to another level, but a lot of NFL teams lose a lot of one score games. So yeah, yeah I would say maybe nine or ten games if they had a good coach. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, you're yeah. I agree with you there. And then Doug Marone, yeah, uh, you you obviously saw that one coming. Um, they're just. Ben, yeah, actually, Jason said Ben to the uh, – That would be a good one. I, li- I think the is going to get a coaching would... job, and the deserves a chance, and I think that's a great spot for the if he goes to the Chargers. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, that would be fun to watch him and Herbert. Somebody that, you know, especially that offense now, what we've seen Herbert trying to, you know, with Patrick Mahomes year in, year out, that that would be fun to watch. That would be exciting. I would love to see that higher. I think that's – Chargers definitely should go after him, and I know they are, but I would love to see him there. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So we got two uh, GM. Uh, we got one GM hired and one GM is stepping down. But I didn't get into the show because it happened right before the show. Nick Casario was hired as the former Patri- Patriots personnel guy, hired as the Texans GM. Deshaun Watson already doesn't like it because you know another Patriot guy, him and O'Brien didn't get along at the end. He did, and then we know here's the thing with the Patriots. Okay, the biggest strength of the Patriots in their dynasty was they had the best coach and they had the best quarterback. The biggest hole of the New England Patriots, and we saw it this year, was their personnel. And that was a big reason why this team had a losing – it was the reason why this team had a losing season. Personnel is a problem for the Patriots, and Deshaun Watson knows that. And that's why I think he's ticked off that the Texans hired another Patriot guy. We know we know a former Patriot guy got rid of his best receiver. Now another Patriot guy comes in. I think Watson is tired of having those Patriot guys around Houston. Well, I, yeah, I didn't hear about that last one. That's interesting. I see where he's coming from, but oh, you got to give him a shot. Again, this is a tough job. You're, I think, $24 million um, negative right now in cash space. You have no first rounders. This is a tough job. You know, that's probably the toughest, I think, GM job right now. You don't have anything to work with. Um, I, you know, I see where he's coming, but, you know, they, because he's been with the Patriots, I think, like, 04, I believe. He's been there for a while. Uh, and, and they had personnel. I know this year they didn't, but I think Bill took more of a role this year because I think they knew that um, Casario was moving on. Um, uh, Jace made a comment. They should make the Jets move. They should make the Jets move trade their draft pick and uh, and and trade uh, Houston, Houston for San Sean Watson. Sean Watson, the Jets. That would be an interesting one if, if they, that yeah. happened. They, they would get the second. They get the number two overall pick get Justin Fields. If Deshaun Watson is unhappy, you know, he wants to get out of there. I mean, take on that big contract, you know, maybe, maybe get Justin Fields on a rookie deal. That would be interesting. 
Yeah, that would, you know, because I, I think the Jets are top five right now in cap space. So I, I think, you know, they would have the money for it. That, that would be a really interesting one. If Watson does not, you know, he's not happy there. Um, would be, you know, that, that'd be interesting. I don't want Deshaun Watson in the same division in the past. <laughs> he's been great against us. So that, that would scare me. But um, it wouldn't be great for me, but as a pass fan. But anyways, I, you know, again, I, you know, Bill's kind of taken more of that GM role, I thought, and they've kind of pushed him aside because here, I think last year, because of, they knew he he wanted out, but again, interesting how it sounds like, because him and McDaniels have known each other since 01, so the writing on the wall sounds like he probably going to bring McDaniels with him, but I haven't. <laughs> Another Patriots him. OC becomes a Texans head coach. Yeah. So That'd I, be great. <laughs> Watson's saying that, though. I don't know if Casario's going to have second thoughts, but. Yeah, um, that that's kind of the rating right now. Don't be shocked if that happens. Yes, and we have one GM stepping down to just become team president, and that's John. And I think that's a good move because you know over the last couple of years, Elway's just failed to bring a quarterback here. We remember they won the Super Bowl, Peyton retired, uh, but they they didn't resign Brock Osweiler. That was probably a good move because he was terrible in Houston. But you know they tried Trevor Simeon, he didn't work. They brought in Case Keenum as a journeyman, he didn't work. Now Drew Locke. Oh, they brought in Joe Flacco. That didn't work. Now they, they draft Drew in the second round in 2019. That's starting not to work. So, and and now and that's resulted in four consecutive losing seasons, five years out of the playoffs, and the and the previous four years before that they were they the previous five years before that they made the playoffs every year, and they had two Super Bowl appearances. So the Broncos have missed the playoffs the last five years, uh, had four straight losing seasons. So I think that uh, yeah yeah I got it. Elway was the reason Peyton came. Yeah no Elway's done some good stuff, but over the last you know the second half. Over the last five years, he hasn't. He hasn't found a quarterback and, and to replace Peyton, and that's been a big problem. So I like the fact that Elway stepped down. He's Unlike someone else we know, he's finally realizing that he can't have both roles as team president and GM. He stepped down, and uh, and the Broncos now are not now are going to be finding a GM to be to be in charge of personnel. Yeah, it's a smart move. It's a good move by Elway. You know? Obviously a tough move for him, but yeah, you know, we we're talking about the quarterbacks. They've gone through, I think, twelve since 2016. So, which is the most in the league. So, yeah, they just they haven't found the guy yet, and it's it's a smart move because you look, you take out both those Super Bowls, and they're you know, or both those Super Bowl appearances they had, there had not been much success success there since Elway's taken over as a GM. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's a good smart move. He needed to do it. They need to. Especially a quarterback. I, I, I still like Drew Locke. I know he had a rough year, but I want to see him get a full offseason with these guys. And with, you know, with the weapons he got in the offseason last year and, you know, here coming up in year three. So I, I still haven't given up on Locke. But, yes, right now the, it's, it's, it's not looking good that he's, he's the future quarterback of the Denver Broncos right now. Not, not at all. Not at all. So we're going to shift over to college football. And the Heisman Trophy ceremony was last night. We'll talk about that. But before that, we got a promo from All Four Downs. It's finally here. It's the college football playoffs. Joe Aguirre, Jace Garcia, Sean Scanlon, and myself will get you caught up with the news in college football. Plus, a review of the New Year's Six Bowl games, predict the Heisman winner, and a special invite to our Capital One Bowl Mania Challenge. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's All Four Downs Podcast, presented by the CMG Sports Network. 
Thank you. Thank you, Ovi. All four downs tonight, 7 o'clock. Ovi, Jace, and Sean. Make sure you check. No, no, all four downs, 7.30 tonight. Ovi, Jace, and Sean. Make sure you check that out. And last night was the Heisman Trophy ceremony. We know who's going to be upset about who won the Heisman. We know Joe will be very upset about that. He'll have a rant about that tonight. But for the first time since 1991, Devontae Smith wins the Heisman and wins the Heisman Trophy. Last time a wide receiver won it was 1991. And I think he deserved it. He was the best wide receiver in the country. He had an outstanding year for the Crimson Tide. Yes, Mac Jones had a great year too, uh, but I, uh, Devontae Smith was, in my opinion, the best player in college football. I feel like he deserved it, Justin. You've been pushing that for a while, that uh, Devontae Smith was going to win, should win the Heisman. Uh, I, I felt like that they were going to give it to Mac Jones because they usually always give it to a quarterback. But this year, it was different. They gave it to Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is the first Heisman Trophy winner since. First Heisman to have a guy to win the Heisman, wide receiver to win the Heisman since 1991. So what do you think about that, Justin? Yeah, yeah, I, I've been on Smith the last, uh, yeah, for a while. Um, pretty much since that big, um, yeah, you know, pretty much since, um, you know, last few weeks, yeah, he, you know, he, he's been terrific. And, yeah, I, I was with you. I, I did think they were still going to give it to Jones, but it, it's great that, that you know, that, that Smith got over him. Um, Jones has had a terrific year, do not get me wrong. Um, he's really broken on the scene this year. But yeah, Smith has been the best player in college football. It, again, um, his route running, he finds weaknesses in the holes. He's got 20 touchdowns in um, 12 games, 20 touchdowns in 12 games. So uh, again, he had the numbers for a wide receiver to win it. And I was afraid if he did not win it this year, we were never going to see another wide receiver win it ever. And unless if they were, unless if they were, you know, a returner and had like three or four, you know, special team touchdowns. Like I, I thought that was the only other way we'd ever see a wide receiver get another Heisman, but, but it's great. You know, it, you know, it, cause Devonte Smith too has been double teamed in most of his games and he's still putting up these ridiculous numbers and he's not the biggest, most physical guy in the world. And he even said that last night, he's, he's not, but um, you know, he, he's been terrific. He finds a way and he's been so fun to watch and it's, it's just great. And Jay said, "Jay, oh, he'll 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 be all over Joe tonight." Jay said, "I said Trevor Lawrence would get more votes than Mac Jones," and he was, he was Chase is right about that. He sure did get more votes than Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones, man. I think people kind of realize. I mean, yes, the guys had a great year, but I think some people might realize are starting to realize. Look at the talent that's around Mac Jones. Yeah, um, there there is a lot of talent around Mac Jones. There is. He, he's still again nobody kind of saw this coming from from him i still thought he had a better year than lawrence especially because we we didn't see lawrence play in the biggest regular season game for him you know that was nordine on saturday night we didn't you know that was like his the big platform for him that night you know and if he played that night things would probably be different but i was surprised i guess i you know now especially that he got almost 100 more votes than max jones that did call, catch me off guard there because, you know, still, I know Clemson, um, they um, they didn't have Ross this year. Amari Rogers played very well. Corner Powell had a great year. He had a great game Friday night. So, and he still had ETN in that backfield. So, Clemson still had a, a lot of talent around him. Um, I was still a little bit shocked that. Hey, that as you see Jason's comment about uh, Trevor Lawrence, he did, he beat, he did beat up on Miami, yeah. He if, he considers, if, we, if we consider Miami a great team. I don't. They, yeah, my, they're, they're a good team, team, not a great team. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. All right. And the last few years, I just, I don't, I don't trust Miami in a big game like that. I, I you know, 
Um, he still played great in that game, and I know Miami at that time was ranked in the top ten, but I just I don't like that Miami team in a big game. They just do not show up to come to play. Um, for whatever reason, they're not great. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, I you know, I, I I'm really really happy that Devontae Smith got that. Um, they got the Heisman. See, you see a comment. A guy's name Michael Jordan just said hello. <laughs> I don't. Hello, Michael Jordan. Who knows who that is? But yeah, yeah we know it's probably not Michael Jordan, yeah. the real Mike. We know that's not Michael Jordan, but yeah, but yeah, he, he just said hello. It's pretty funny. Okay. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I, I definitely take Devontae Smith. To, I don't have a problem with Devontae Smith winning the Heisman. I think Jones is going to win. I have no problem with Devontae Smith winning the Heisman. Obviously, the voting, we got 447 votes. Lawrence had 222 votes. Jones had 138 votes, which is kind of. Kind of crucial that Lawrence had that many more votes than yeah. Jones. And Trask got 61 votes. And for Kyle Trask, I think we knew after the LSU game, and even and he had even confirmed it after the after the Oklahoma game, he had no shot at winning the Heisman. He had a great year, but he had no shot at winning the Heisman. Yeah. I think vote, yeah, yeah. The votes voting was due, you know, before the Oklahoma game. But yeah, that Oklahoma game, oof, he was he was bad. Um you know, I, yeah, that that Matt, you know. And by how big he won it, he pretty much doubled Trevor Lawrence's first place votes, which I didn't think he was going to win it by that much. But again, it just shows that the voters understood how special of a wide receiver and how special a player Devontae Smith really has been this year because um, he's been a, he, he's been so, so terrific. Then <laughs> the, 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 the commenter just said, hey, man, I'm 57 yeah. years old. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. But yeah, but but going back to uh, yeah, going back to the voting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, looking, yeah, looking at uh, Mac Devontae Smith, four hundred and forty-seven. Yeah, he had the votes, and uh, yeah, Trask had no shot. But yeah, it, t- t- for me, I, I'm sh- obviously I'm not shocked that uh, that Smith won. I just thought it would win. Yeah, yeah. I going in, I I thought you know I had a bad feeling that Jones was going to get it over. Um... Devontae Smith, but yeah, you know, I've been up there for Devontae Smith. I've been down. I, yeah, I've been wanting him to win it. I'm, I'm so glad he did. But yeah, because you, it's it's got it's always got that feeling of it's just it's the it, of it's a quarterback award. It's that that turn it that the Heisman's turned into a quarterback award, and it's good that this year they finally kind of, but you know that. It, you know, because if it really would have been defined as a quarterback award, I felt like if Mac Jones won it this year, that you know, I because just because he's been great, but Devontae Smith has been at a different level. I felt like than anybody else out there. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to the national championship game, and obviously Alabama. Uh, I, we, we, we don't. We don't, yeah, I don't expect you laughing at me, but yeah, we we we, we got to get to the national championship game with uh, Alabama and Ohio State, and this is a uh, this is going to be an interesting game. I think you know Ohio State, who a lot of people didn't think got a chance against Clemson. Justin Fields had a great game. Obviously, Alabama had an outstanding game against uh, Notre Dame. I mean, Najee Harris had a good game. Mac Jones had a good game. Devontae Smith had a good game. And for me in this game. I feel like uh, Ohio State's defense might keep them in it early. They might contain Harris early in the game. I do think Justin Fields might be able to keep up with Mac Jones. But I think at the end of the day, Alabama just has too many weapons. They're the most well-rounded team in the country. I think it's close for about, you know, for the first half or even into the third quarter. But I think eventually Alabama pulls away. And I got them winning this game. And I got them winning it 37-24 over 
Ohio State. And I got Bama winning its sixth national title in 12 years and Nick Saban winning his seventh national title. But Justin, how can Ohio State contain Najee Harris the way they were able to contain Travis Etienne in this game? It's going to be tough. Um, Travis Etienne is a really good back, one of the best in the country. But Najee Harris is just a different animal. You know, 6'2", 230, um, great cat pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, again, their linebackers have to get to him in the backfield. Early, you know, they, they got to get in that backfield and at least get um, a hand in, hand on him or, or two and, and let some other guys wrap him up. Um, again, in the passing, look, you could, he's got, he's a freak athlete. He, the, the hurdle that he had Friday was unbelievable. Um, I don't know if, you know, they're not gonna be able to cover much out of the backfield coming out, um, catch, catch passes. I just, you know, um, again, it's just going to be so, so difficult. Um, he, he's great at breaking tackles and being able to go for, um, another five, six yards. They got to be able to slow that down, um, somehow, but I don't see it happening in this game. I, I don't, I don't. I don't know if Ohio State can be able to do that. Look, their defense played great against Clemson, but this is a totally different animal. This is a team that's averaging – that was averaging 49 points a game. And, yeah, Notre Dame slowed them down. I feel well, somewhat slowed them down. They held them 31 points, which is the least amount of points they've scored since the last national championship game where they played Clemson. So, um, but I just, you know, I see Ohio State having a rough time. They are good at stopping the run. That's kind of the one thing, though. But I, I think this is a totally different monster in Najee Harris. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think that Harris will have a pretty – he'll get contained early, but I think he has a pretty good game in the ground. I do think it's a it's going to be a really good game for Alabama offensively. And and, and seeing that Alabama is going to have a good game off offensively, that leads me to my second question. Can Fields keep up with Mac Jones in this game and then the Alabama offense? You know – I think there's not a lot of teams in the country that could keep up with Alabama. And I feel like if we get the Ohio state offense that shows up and comes to play, which I think they are, I think this is one of the few teams that can score with them for a while. But again, just, I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough. I don't know if they're going to get enough help in their defense. Though they, they have to, Ohio state's going to have to, I believe probably score over 40, I, I feel like 35, 40. Oh, definitely over has, 30. Definitely over yeah, 30. definitely over 30. I think 35 to 40 is kind of that range that they have a chance, but I, I think they're going to need more than 40 still. Um, do, and, I, again, I, I think the Alabama defense is better. The one thing, though, is, which we haven't seen a ton the last few weeks, um, Alabama defense got better. But if you – that old Miss game – Alabama does not like the up-tempo running game, with, which Ole Miss threw at them. And Ohio, Ohio State could do that with Fields and yeah. Sermon. Yeah, they can. And running quarterbacks have always kind of um, – Saban's always had his issues against them sometimes. You know, we, we've seen that time. So that part I feel good about Ohio State. They can up-tempo, running the football. They can't They can't switch. They can't really throw anything on you. Um, you can't sub. They can't, you know, try something new out there. Then I, I think that's how Ohio State has a really good shot in this game. Can they keep it up forever? They have a chance, but um, I'm trying to be very, very hopeful, but I don't know if it's going to be possible. 
Yeah, it's 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 it, it could be a, it should be a really good game. I think I think it's gonna be close for a couple quarters, but I just don't see. I, and I like Ohio State. Jace obviously lost the bet. He's wearing Ohio State shirt. He's being a man of his word. But I just I just don't see them. Uh, and there it is. There he is wearing his Ohio mm-hmm. State shirt, being a man of his word. There. But yeah, I just don't see. I just can't see you know any team beating Alabama this year. I just can't mm-hmm. see it. And this leads me obviously to my last question: score prediction for the preview and score prediction for this game. Um, my score prediction, I got Alabama 45 to, uh, 38. I think Ohio state will score back to Orlando. Wow. Um, I'm cheering for Ohio state. I think you're going to get a fired up Ohio state team that once again, it's going to show the world that, Hey, we want, we, we belong with the best of the best. I really, I really like Ryan day. Um, in the game plan he could put together. I just, I just don't. There's just not a team in the country that that could stop Alabama. They're just not, and you could see it too. Last week, uh, actually, my last point here is Sean Wade. Last week in that secondary, Cornell Powell's had a great senior year. He's really stepped up, but he was burning the Ohio State defense. Now you have Devontae Smith. That 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 is a big concern. I know they were Sean Wade was kind of playing off um, on Powell and um, Rogers last week, but. Um, this week he's going to have to be all over him. But again, I, I just see, I, I think Ohio State's going to struggle in that as well. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, it's going to be hard for me to, for me to, to see, to see that happening. Yeah. They're going to struggle with the, their defense is really going to struggle containing, uh, uh, Alabama's offense. It's going to, it's just going to be a really hard game for Ohio State, but they're, they're an elite program in Ohio State. And I would not be shocked if they pulled the upset. No, me neither. Especially, especially the way that they played last week. I, um, the way they played defensively, the way they got to Trevor Lawrence, and you know they only got two sacks, but I felt like they were li- they were in that backfield though. Um, they again, it really helped them out. Um, especially after those first couple drives, they settled in. Ohio State settled in. You know they got down seven nothing early, came back and um, really put the throttle down on them. They have the offense to keep up with this team. I, you know, but Alabama, I think it's going to come down to it's Alabama's defense is a bit better than Ohio State's. And I think it really, and Ohio State really misses this year that Chase Young and the Bosa brothers off the edge. Absolutely. Um, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be huge in this game. They had one of those kind of guys. Because they do have um, Zach Harrison, but I don't know if he's going or not. I don't think he's going. I think in next year, he's probably going to be one of the top DNs in the country, but I don't think he's going. Um, Monday night, which I think hurts, but I think I saw that, but I'm not 100% sure. It, but he'll be one of the best DNs next year in the country because it always seems like they have great ones. They they don't this year. They're kind of younger in that side. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it should be interesting what happens Monday night. We'll obviously be, wrap, we'll be uh, recapping it on, on next week. But we got to move on to the NBA. But before that, we got a promo from the new basketball podcast, the Posting Up Podcast.
Thank you, uh, Lucas, uh, Sean, and uh, King Zay, uh, Isaiah Groves. Uh, posting a podcast every Tuesday, uh, Tuesday I think at 4 or 5, and every Saturday at 1, so it's on twice a week. So check that out. But we got to talk a little bit of NBA, and I think the big story is Kevin Durant. He came in contact with a guy, with someone with COVID-19, so he has to quarantine for seven days. He's going to miss four games. One of them was last night, which the, which the Nets beat the Jazz last night, 130-96. to 96. The uh, next three games, though, I mean, I think it's tomorrow night against the Sixers. Then they play the they play OKC, they play OKC, and they play Memphis. So really, in this stretch for the Nets, I think there's really uh, you know one tough game. That's tomorrow night against the Sixers, and the Sixers have been playing well. And then they got two pretty easy games. So they should even end up even without Durant, they should end up going three and one on this stretch. Yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunate for KD, you know, if he gets you know, yeah, be back in a few games because they they looked good last night. They beat the Jazz, the playoff team, by, you know, more than 30. But, yeah, you know, tomorrow night will be a big one. I know because they were struggling the last few weeks. They lost Dinwiddie, but maybe they kind of figured it out without him the next few days. But, yeah, the um, next few games, yeah, uh, tomorrow is a big one. Got the Sixers, who are playing really, really well right now. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, the thing about the Nets right now, they're, they're, th- they're I think four and four, but you know, it's early in the season. It's early. You've seen a lot of teams and the, the, the Bucks are around 500. You've seen a lot of good teams be around 500 early in the season. So eventually I think the better teams are going to take over and teams like the Sixers are going to come down to earth a little bit. So it's early in the season. I'm not taking records that seriously right now. Yeah. I guess it's such a weird and wacky year that, yeah, it's tough and it's kind of, everybody's adjusting, I guess, to the new norm, you know, again, the weird travel schedules and all, and all that, but yeah, you know, it's still early. We'll find out a lot, you know, coming up here the next few weeks as they get, you know, more, uh, you know, that they kind of start to um, get to like maybe they, you know, kind of. Then I can I can't think of what, uh, as the next few weeks come down here, they get more reps and more rhythm. If they get more of a rhythm, I think I'm trying to say, as the season progresses, yeah, I think that's when we'll see like the Nets and the Bucks play a lot better and start to get it rolling. Just yeah, you know, it's just such a weird, you know, it's such a weird year, you know, for everybody right now. Yeah, and yeah, but Steph, it's a weird year, but Steph Curry keeps playing the way he is. Sixty-two points on Sunday night in their win over the Blazers. He had thirty in their win over the Kings. The Warriors have won four out of five. I'm thinking the Warriors are going to be a playoff team. Justin, you think they they sneak in as a playoff team this year? I could see. I, I I definitely could. Um, they're starting to play better. Yeah, I saw the other night when they played the King, just absolutely torched them. He 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 actually one one play. He was just he was just messing around with Marvin Bagley. Like it, he just absolutely schooled Bagley on, on one play. But um, yeah, you know, again, it, Draymond's been struggling. It it Draymond could start to help him out. It makes his team a lot more dangerous. But it, it's so tough to guard him. Um, but I, yeah, I could definitely see the team sneaking as like a seven or eight seed in the Western conference. Just, you know, as long as Curry could stay healthy, they, you know, they, they have a shot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's still a top 10 player in the game. I still think he's outside of James Harden. I think he's one of the best scorers in the game and I'll take him over James Harden because he makes his teammates better. I mean, I thought those first two games he was losing a little bit, but he's really picked it up over the last four or five games. Yeah, yeah, I think it was just a lot of Russell's first few games. It's been what over, you know, we haven't seen him really in over a year. Um, I think that's all pretty much shaken off of him now, as, as we've seen the last few games here. Yeah, he's really looking good. Yeah, you know, I, I like him better than James Harden. Yeah, he, he makes everybody around him better. And 
Somebody at James Harden does not do that very well. Uh, no, not, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. You know, been the final. I know Curry had a better team than Durant or than Harden, but still, it's he's he's gotten the finals. Yeah, you don't by accident go to the finals five years in a row and want Kevin Durant to play with you, come to play with you. So that doesn't happen by accident. That's why Curry is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he is one of the greatest basketball players, the greatest shooter to ever live, and one of the greatest greatest basketball players we've ever seen. Definitely, it, it hurts to say the greatest shooter because you know me, Ray Allen. I know, I know, but come on, come on, come on, come on. I know. I, you cannot I put you cannot put uh, Ray Allen in the same conversation as Steph Curry. I know. Unfortunately, I can't. But yeah, you know, Curry, Curry's the you know best best we've seen. You know, for his size, uh, he's been unbelievable. He's one of the best. He sure has. He absolutely has. But we're gonna wrap up the show. Talk about a little bit of UConn basketball and and looking at the game last night. This is a game that Kevin Alley coached. This team loses by twenty points. As we saw last night, UConn was down forty three twenty five. And I thought the game was over. I thought, you know, UConn, they weren't hitting any shots. It looked like one of those conference road games in college basketball. that It just wasn't your night. But And, and obviously, they had Boca and I hurt, too. He hurt his elbow. But shockingly, uh, Tyler Polly stepped up, hit five threes, had 23 for the game. Isaiah Whaley had a double-double. They outscored uh, Marquette 40-11 to 11 in the last uh, – in the last fifteen in the in the last fifteen minutes of the game, and they were able to get that win, uh, 60, uh, 65-54 uh, uh, over Mark Marquette, and another big win, two and one of the Big East, five and one overall. And it's safe to say, I think they found a second scorer in Tyler Pauly, and Dan Hurley has changed the culture of this UConn team. Yeah, that's a big culture win there. That's a big win for a season. You kind of just build off of a win like that. Um, especially with them only playing that, oh, that's their sixth, their sixth game all year with all the COVID issues they've had to face and all that. Yeah, you know, the way Polly played in that second half, he had 23 points in the second half. Marquette had 23 points as a team in the second half. Um, he, I liked how Hurley started to run plays for him. I know when Knight went out, um, I, I liked that. Again, shots are falling uh, in the second half. Whaley was unbelievable. Um, again, I you know, Cole, Cole's got to get a little bit more consistent. I'm hoping he's coming. Martin, I but I think for this team, Polly was you know, you know, was unbelievable last night. I guess they change. I guess Hurley made him change his playlist in Metallica last. So <laughs> um, again, got him more fired up, I guess. But I think for this team, I think the good thing is you think about it is they may not have a definite two score. I know Polly looked great and he looked in rhythm last night, but if he does have one of those off nights. Again, like I think we could see like a Whaley or a Martin or hopefully get Cole to be that second scorer. Like I think there's a lot of guys that have the potential to be that number two guy in the scoring column, um, especially when Boat Knight's injured and just, you know, didn't um, – again, he was still three for 12 in the field, just didn't shoot well at all last night. Um, but, yeah, Polly, Polly was unbelievable. That was probably his best game of his career. I know the one, the game where he tore ACL pretty much a year ago was, you know, now his second best game where he had he had a double double, his first career double double, and he was all over the place. But yeah, Polly, Polly unbelievable. Hopefully he can keep it up. But yeah, you know, um, to not quit last night down 18, that team, yeah, that that team, you know, a few years ago. Would have oh, they, they pack it in with hot with Ollie. They just pack that in. That, that, that's a, they, they pack it in. They lose by 20 points, but that just shows you my completely the right decision to get Kevin Ollie out of there as fast as possible. And I've been saying this for years, getting Ollie out of there as fast as possible and getting Dan early in here 
because we're we're getting back to the we're not at the Calhoun days. We're starting to get back to the Calhoun days now. Yeah, you know, Calhoun had to be proud watching that. Yeah, he had. You know, uh, you know, yeah, he was definitely watching last night. But yeah, you know, uh, he it was definitely a huge win, a huge culture win. Um, just yeah, just a huge building block. Um, again, I thought Hurley coaching wise was better. He made the right adjustments. That's Hurley usually makes the right adjustments. The thing, the one thing that always bothers me with Hurley is the way he uses timeouts and cause he doesn't really use them in big spots. And then the end of game situation, which was pretty good last night. Usually he freezes under pressure, but, um, he, he, you know, he had a good performance getting that team to fight back last night down, um, 18. And then kind of my last comments on this game. The, my last comments on this game is I think if they had a cook, a cook last night with the athleticism that, um, Garcia had, I think he wouldn't have had 20 and 11. I think they just didn't really have that athletic guy for size on Garcia because Whaley's only six, eight Garcia's like six foot 10 or 11. So he had a couple inches on him. I think if it cooks on him, I think they slow, they, they shut him down a little bit more. I think a cook, a cook was a big, you know, a somewhat, you know, was a loss last night, not to have him in that defensive end. I agree there. I agree there. Is he coming back from injury soon? Sometime on this road trip. Okay. So okay. Either All Saturday right. or DePaul and Wednesday, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And this this leads me to my next point is UConn against Butler on Saturday. The rematch of ten years ago in the national championship game. It's the first time they played since then. Yeah. They, oh, wow. So UConn Butler, we all remember that national title game with uh, Shelvin Mack and uh, Kemba Walker. Ugly game, but UConn yeah. back fifty three forty one to win their third national title. They eventually won their fourth three years later against Kentucky. But for this game, Justin. Can UConn keep their momentum? And we know they'll probably beat Butler, but beat Butler handedly. And can they do that even without James Spoke Knight? Um, again, yeah, Butler's a game they should win. The worry for me is we've seen their half-court offense out of a funk. And Butler loves to chew up the shot clock. They're 332nd in the country in pace apply. They really want to slow it down. Typical Butler. Typical. They were that way in the Brad Stevens days. Yep, they still are. They only average about 60 points a game, but they give they only give up about like 68. They they like to play in the 60s. So they'll probably kind of, they'll stay in the game on Saturday, you think? I unfortunately I believe so. And they are the one team in the conference I still believe that it that it that there will be fans in the building. I think oh, there really? about wow. thousand or fifteen hundred. I, I believe it's somewhere around there. Which could be um Somewhat weird because it's yeah, it's the first time all year they got fans. It's you know, you kind of gonna be going up against that. Butler's a very young team, they've been hit by the injury bug. Their best player, Aaron Thompson, is questionable to go tonight for Georgetown. He's um he's averaging 17 points a game. So I assume he's gonna go Saturday, but still not 100 percent sure. It's a team this is one of these games where UConn's gotta use they gotta um get them in a track meet, they gotta force them some turnovers, and again. What they did last night to get start that run, use your defense as offense. You know, uh, getting a couple of transition buckets was big for them last night. They got to be able to do that against Butler. They got to get up and make them have to run with them because if Butler plays that third pace in this game, I would not be shocked to see Butler win. They're off to their worst starts of 1992, the 93 season at two and six, which is crazy. Um, but I think. This is a team that's uh, um, 
hard-nosed, tough defensive team, just like they were under Brad Stevens. So this is not going to be easy. I know the record kind of shows that they should blow by this team, but again, I, I think this is going to be a tough, you know, biggies battle. And if you kind of got to get in the seventies, because Butler cannot put up, you know, Butler struggles to put up that many points. They don't have another score behind Aaron Thompson. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Should be interesting. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For, for our producer, Jace Garcia, who did a great job. For Justin Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week previewing the division, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and having the national championship game. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend, everybody. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. I crossed up by Kobe, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere.